Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 251 of Yogaland. Today, my guest is James Woods. James is a yoga teacher, a therapist, and a wellness educator in Riverside, California. He has spent his whole career working with kids, first in his role as a therapist. And at that time, he was young, he was just out of school. And he tells his story at the top of the interview, but essentially he wasn't feeling, he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling like he was doing the work that he was meant to do. And then he found yoga. So now he incorporates all of his education and learning and personal experience and teaches kids and educators in schools through the program that he has created. So this is a great episode to listen to if you want to teach kids or if you are teaching kids and you're kind of struggling with things. He has some great insights on how to work with school districts, how to implement your programs in a way that's going to set you up for success. And we also talked about just his own experience of how yoga has been transformational for him, how in the beginning he felt as though perhaps he Yoga wasn't available to him. Yoga wasn't accessible to him because he's a black man and he didn't see other people like him doing yoga. So we talk about the importance of belonging, that feeling like we belong, the importance of him being a role model for all of the students that he works with. And I just know you're going to love James. Quick note, if you'd like to watch this interview, you can go to our YouTube channel, Jason Crandall Yoga, and watch the interview between James and I. Okay, enjoy it. Hey, James, I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I want to start by just asking you what I often ask people at the beginning of interviews, which is a two-part question. How did you find yoga? Mm -hmm. And how did you decide to become a yoga teacher? So I found yoga through a supervisor that I had for a job. I am a therapist by education and by trade. And so I was working, 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 working. And I was one of those therapists who had a cape on and was working in communities and trying to save everybody. Yeah. Just trying to be super therapist. And I had this supervisor and she was one of those people who she was a yogi. But I, before I even know what a yogi was, like the stereotypical yogi, she was pretty slim. She was always calm and always tranquil <laughs> and always like, okay. So I'm thinking, okay, she just probably smokes or something like that. <laughs> but, she, probably, she still may have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she was always like, you know, you should try yoga. You should try yoga. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Um, I never knew any black people that did yoga. So I was like, eh, I'm a black man. Uh, we don't do yoga. Yeah. Said, keep trying it. Keep keep going. Keep going. Just, just do it. And then finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I tried it. And I went to the studio. And the first thing I noticed about the studio was there's a weird smell in here. Like all these old yoga mats. Yeah. And I got there and we're doing this weird breathing stuff. But I'm an athlete. I played football and other sports. So I was ready to get into all these poses and do this physical stuff but we started with this breathing and I'm like okay this is weird but it's okay and then finally we get into this yoga position of that yoga dog that that yoga dog of a <laughs> downward facing dog uh-huh and I'm like whoa this is kind of kicking my butt this is real and after all that I was able to finally get into the final pose of shavasana mm -hmm. and just the the stress and I was in a time of 
not even being aware, but I was in a time of depression, a time of anxiety. And just for that moment at the end of class in Shavasa, I was just able to let it go. Yeah. And it was something that I knew that I needed for myself and I wanted to share with my clients. So that really got me into it. I kept going back. I did Bikram. I did power. I did a lot of different yoga. I did Kundalini yoga for a while. Uh -huh. and, wow. You really yeah. tried a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they all had different transformational aspects on me and I greatly appreciate them all. I was still just struggling as a therapist, trying to figure out, I was about 25, 24 years old and trying to establish who I was at the mm -hmm. same time as I was trying to help people get through their struggles. I decided to move, quit my job, got a new job, moved across town and started over. And I happened to move in walking distance of a studio, a yoga studio. And it was a donation-based studio because I didn't have money anyway. So I was able to go often and I went in one day and they were having a auction. They're having an auction for a yoga teacher training. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. And so I put in, put in my bid and just happened to be me and another person. And I won probably like a dollar or two, something like that. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And that I got, is amazing. Good right, fortune. Amazing. It was just meant to be. Wow. If this that yoga studio was only there for my teacher training class before me they were at another location and after me they moved to back to other location that was not in walking distance from me wow it was just meant to be it caught yeah. me in transitional time and it just changed my life so went through the yoga teacher training program changed how i eat changed how i thought it gave me permission to be able to trust in myself and believe in myself and take that leap to quit my job. I'm, I know it's a story that most yoga teachers have, quitting your job, changing your life or something like that. I was one of those people. So I just was surrounded by people who were also going through these different transformations. And I was able to make the leap, in, leap into being a, a yoga teacher. And mm -hmm. I haven't looked back since. I'm so grateful for the experience. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because it's not an easy profession to leap into. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like you said, there it is really common that we, I mean, I did the same thing. Like we just become captivated by it and it changes our lives. And then it's like we do teacher training and then we start teaching. I taught part time and not for a super long time because it wasn't like the right fit for me. But it's then you'd start teaching and it can just be really it have its own challenges. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you feel like it's still working for you and is a good, good choice. I want to just back up for a moment. So I think it's just so interesting that I've always been really interested in psychology, did mm -hmm. a lot of therapy myself in my twenties. So I think it's really interesting that you have that background and yet it felt like it wasn't enough, you know, because, mm -hmm. I think it just therapy is so helpful for so many people. And I would imagine that education is like just so helpful in processing your mind. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel like yoga then helped get you to the place you are now that maybe your education and your, your work as a therapist wasn't quite doing it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yoga got me out of my mind. Yoga gave me a place to really explore my whole sense of self. So I love therapy. I'm always promoting therapy. I'm still in therapy right now. Mm -hmm. But therapy is a mental process. 
you're thinking about your past. You're thinking about what's going on. You're thinking about healing. You're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, and you're processing. And it's a huge part of healing, but it's not the whole part of healing. So yoga gave me access to parts that talk therapy couldn't do. Yep. And especially therapy is structured in different modalities and different practices. Okay, so these are structures. Hey, this is Freudianism. This is Jungianism. This is cognitive behavioral therapy. Systems to try to place the practice of therapy in so we can try to understand each other. Yoga is a system. Yoga is a tool, but it is to help us to understand ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. So the combination of it really helped me to dive deep and explore myself. I'm still constantly in that practice of being able to explore myself. So it's a combination of them, but I know the mental practice of therapy and psychology, it can keep me and keep other people in a space of just constantly analyzing. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, so you're just stuck in that place of analyzing what happened, what did happen, what's supposed to happen. And yoga is a practice of action when you're moving through the postures, you're moving through the poses, you're focused on your breathing. And so it helps me pull myself out of just the mental analytical aspects of, am I focusing on the healing of my mom wounds and my dad wounds and what happened through this, and what happened through that? And it just brings me right in the moment. I'm breathing, I'm holding this pose, it's kicking my butt, it's feeling good or whatever. So therapy is great. I think everyone should go to therapy and have that process. But therapy is also a part of exploring how our minds have been shaped by the systems and yoga is a practice of who we are even outside of the systems on the soul on a spirit level so being yeah. able to have those practices to access me that's so beautifully said and yeah that is i you're right like sometimes we get stuck in like if, if you're doing a lot of therapy or, or whatever it is that you're doing sometimes we hit like a wall or a plateau and then, I don't know, with yoga, just getting back into your body and having that embodied experience, of moving your body, moving the stagnation, moving the energy, not being stuck in your thoughts, mm -hmm. it can just be healing in and of itself in a way that talking and think about, thinking about things at a certain point, you might just like start butting your head against a wall. I remember reading so early on when I was doing yoga, I was just going to classes and I was talking to the teacher afterward and I was just like, this was so long ago. This is like in the nineties. So before, you know, there were a lot of books and, and I just said to the teacher, what can I read? Like what, what kind of yoga books do you recommend? And she re recommended, um, Eric Schiffman's book, which I don't know if people read that book anymore, but it was like a really huge book back at that time. And it, it's a beautiful book. He's a, such a cool guy. Like you would love him. A lot of the book is just postures, but really the valuable part for me of that book is just kind of like the intro, just where he talks about his own experiences of doing yoga and all these things. And there's just this one part that I still remember where he says, yoga taught me to trust in life. Mm. It taught me to trust just in the beauty of life. And I just was never a person that I was always very analytical very mm -hmm. emotional, very in my head, had a lot of like stuff to deal with as a young adult, just my own stuff, like my own self made up stuff. And 
it was like I never stopped to feel how beautiful just life is and like okay. being alive. That's what that reminded me of when you were when you were talking about that. That's right. It it is. I was very caught up in the doing of life, as we always talk about. Like I said, I was about 25 years old at that point where I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I'm going to school. I'm working. I'm not in jail. I'm not on drugs. I'm not. You were achieving a lot. Yeah. I'm doing what I need to do. And then it got to a point where, okay, now who am I? And beyond my thinking patterns, beyond my family dynamics, who am I? Mm -hmm. And like I said, therapy is a tool to help you discover what you think and how you think. But then yoga is just as a tool to help you understand who you are mm-hmm. on a whole different level. So yeah, I agree. He said Eric Schiffman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll send okay. you the link to the book. Thank you. It's a great Please. book. Yeah. yeah. It's in black and white. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it looks, okay. it, it, I mean, at that time it's like, it was the nineties. It's not like everything was in black and white, but it just looks like a very like vintage book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I just read Baron Baptiste's book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the power of the journey or something like journey that. Journey into power, I think. Journey into power, yes. Yeah. Ready. And I I received it as part of my teacher training back in was that like 2014? And I may have read a couple of pages and then just put it down and then picked it up again now. And was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I need this right now. So mm-hmm. yeah. Say. That's nice. Yeah, it's true. You get things like you you absorb things at the right time. When you were working as a therapist, you were working with kids. Is that right? What were the systems that you had to work within as a therapist? Probation, the juvenile justice system, the mental health system. That is heavy stuff. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And to see a lot of those children just be resilient as they go through that. I grew up with both of my parents. My parents are still alive, great parents. And to see some of the children maybe not even know their parents or their parents still going through their own struggles, mental health issues, drug issues, incarcerated. And to see those kids just doing more than surviving, but just living life and finding out ways to live life, but then still having their issues just like everyone else. Yeah. So a lot of times, the biggest issues for me was dealing with the system who was trying to deal with these children instead of love on them and appreciate them and help them to just mature and navigate what life has offered them. And I know the system is the system, but it wasn't, as you said before, it wasn't a good fit for me when Mm -hmm. I was bringing myself into the relationship with the child and they wanted me to bring the theories, the modalities, the paid for practices, the things that fit in within the system. So mm-hmm. that became a struggle for me. And that, you know, really sent me on a journey to figure out who I was, not who I had be taught, who I was taught to be, because mm-hmm. I know who I was was really beneficial and helpful to these kids. So I was like, let me connect with them on a level of who I am instead of what this paperwork tells me to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned like, oh, it's so challenging because systems are in place to help people and they systems mm-hmm. do their best, but like systems are inherently flawed. 
so what's the work that you do now and what do you what are you able to bring to it now that's different than what you were able to bring to it then i work adjacent to the system i like to think so now i work with organizations and schools where i come in and i provide yoga i provide wellness programming so i was actually at a school yesterday and I had time to talk with the kids. I had time to sit outside with the kids out, like actually outside in the grass. And we did some yoga and I, we, and they answered some questions. I answered some questions. There was more focused on the practice and the healing than it was on the paperwork. And that's the, that's what I bring to the table. That's what I do now. Mm-hmm. So we have a program where it brings them through our what we call our freedom model that helps to bring rapport, helps to build um, engagement and motivation and observation of the growth that they've done. And within that freedom model still is a lot of freedom. So like I said, therapy, is, it's still, I, I'm trained in it. I know all the things that work. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know all the things that work, but- Right, but you have tools. Work. Yeah. I have tools. So I implement those tools within my yoga practice. And I do it in a way that gives me space to be able to connect with the students from person to person, because yeah. like you said, no one's checking all the boxes and I want them to be able to have space to do that. So, yeah, we have a program. We come in, we work with the staff and we work with the students to help them develop their own sense of wellness and freedom. That is so awesome. Oh my gosh. It makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. So do you have to, in order to get this work, do you just have to go to the individual schools and present them with your program and what you would do? And then they have to just find the budget to, to hire you and the people who work with you? Yes and no. So I have been doing this work for a couple of years and most of the times I have been connected through the community. So just working with people in the community, parents, educators who are interested in the work and then they connect me with somebody within the school district and then oh, nice. the school districts have the money for it. And especially now, if you're doing this work, schools have district money because of COVID. Yeah, right, language, right, right. Mm-hmm, language, the, the learning loss, there have been money provided for this. And so the programs that we do, social, emotional learning and wellness work, schools understand how important it is, especially now. We understand rates, sadly, of suicide have been steadily climbing, anxiety and depression within students, and then a two-year break where you're staring at a screen did not help for students. So the work that we do with Reconnect Them is valued and more valuable. Previously, it was all about tests and academics, understandable, but mm-hmm. now we're understanding that beyond just can you answer in Scantron or into the questions. Mm-hmm. Who are you a person? Who are you as a student? So we get to help students and staff reconnect with themselves. Like I said, adjacent to the system, but still it is helping academically. It is helping with behaviors. It is helping with students and teachers to decrease their burnout. So they're not struggling to make it through the school year. So we're doing that work. Yeah. So connecting with districts, letting them know the value of the work that we do if they don't know it already Mm -hmm. and providing a program that can align with their systems that are already in place. Yeah. How does it break down for, let's say, like a third grader? 
Do you teach them yoga once a week and then do some supplemental social emotional learning curriculum as well? Or how do you structure it? We bring it all into one. It's like a, a yoga mindfulness and wellness sandwich that we okay. all together. So, so 30 minutes is a long time for a third grader. That's true. That's true. Focus on a yoga bat and we do 30 minute sessions. Within those 30 minute sessions, we're engaging them through the mindfulness practices. We're engaging them through the, the wellness and the mental health and the yoga practices. We know they don't want to just sit there and talk all day long yoga poses are fun and stuff but then sometimes they just want to hang out in their own downward dog so we keep them engaged through the different practices and engagement processes that we do and we make it fun for them because we want it to be fun for ourselves so yeah we have 30 minute sessions and we take them over the course of seven weeks from the point of being yoga participants and learning about breathing and learning about poses and stretches to being also to able to teach their layover classes by the end of those seven week sessions. So what our aim is to do is to create a community of young folks who have found freedom through our yoga practice to in turn create more freedom within their homes and their communities. School environment is a huge part of where they spend their day. Mm-hmm. So if they're learning the practices and sharing with their friends and the teachers are sharing with other students, we can create a community that is all about healing and all about focusing on their wellness. So that's the work we do on campuses and with the organizations as well. Yeah, that's so nice. And what are some memorable results that you've seen? And I don't mean like, obviously, I don't mean that in a technical way, but mm-hmm. just you have such a nice way of connecting. And I imagine that that I, I feel for kids like that in and of itself is 75% of what they need, especially in learning environments. Like you said, it's been so long where test scores have been emphasized and all these things. And I don't know, the more I learn about raising a kid, the more I learn that it's like that state of being relaxed and feeling safe and feeling seen that mm-hmm. enables people to learn. Like that's how we, that's how we're going to learn. We're not going to learn when we're freaked out or stressed out or pressured. What's some, what are some stories you can share about having worked with kids in this way? Yesterday, I got a message from a teacher. She let me know, Hey, after your class, little Johnny, whatever his name was, said that he felt drunk and yeah he felt drunk and like he was relaxed and said he only felt like that when he was drunk or something and but he felt good huh he said he felt good and he said he was just so used to feeling so tight and unwound that for him to have this experience after class it was just weird for him but he liked it it felt good and this was at an alternative school and at alternative schools those are the schools that house a lot of time, the students who have been removed from traditional school. So these are the schools where students are always being watched, policed. They're always being focused on for their behaviors. And uh, sometimes substance abuse is in the calculation, but for him to say, hey, I felt like I was relaxed without a substance, yeah, you know, without um, a drink or anything like that, it was, it's it huge. huge. It was huge for that to happen. And uh, I hear a lot of students say that too, where it was one student, and this was a student, this was a, another alternative school where there was a lot of gang involvement. 
And so with a lot of gang involvement comes a lot of leadership skills. One student quieted the whole class like, yo, y'all need to shut up. Y'all need to be quiet because I need to get my yoga. And he was very adamant about <laughs> everybody joining in in Shavasana or leaving because he said, it's crazy in my community. It's crazy in my home. But this is the one time I get to have peace. Y'all not going to mess it up for me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he stepped up for his Shavasana and he stepped up for the Shavasana of other folks. So a lot of stories like that, especially the young kids thinking that they can't even sit still for 15 seconds then we get into our challenge and they're able to sit still and relax and they come up to me afterwards like they may not say nothing they just give a head nod like okay you know they kind of get it right there off the bat so a lot of stories of young kids participating who before parents and teachers were like we can't even get this kid to sit down for a second he's being able to sit down and relax and chill so as you said we're all about awareness, access, and application. Mm -hmm. So first they become aware that, hey, this is something. And then they are understanding that they have access to it. Like, all right, this is not just something that other people do. This is something that I can do. Mm -hmm. You know, we break it down for them and then we help to make it applicable. It doesn't have to be a whole 90 minute class. It doesn't have to be in a studio. It doesn't have to be, it is, it's yours you know what to do with it to make you feel, as a young man said, drunk or mm -hmm. relaxed or calm mm -hmm. and healing and stuff. So yeah, we have just a bunch of stories like that for- So wait, you said awareness, access, and what was the third one? The third? Application. Application. So then it's like when you're in your life, you know that you have access to these other ways of being instead of, like we all have to make choices all the time. Mm -hmm. And- it's like the scariest thing as a parent that your kid is going to grow up and start making their own choices <laughs> because there's just so much, you know, there's just so many poor choices that could be made, right? For right. anybody, um, even mm -hmm. kids who are raised in these like perfect environments. So you're giving them the skills to like have the awareness of how they feel and then having access to different states of being without mm -hmm. having to get drunk. Like I feel relaxed and good and happy without having to use that substance mm -hmm. so that then when they're later, they can apply that to different parts of their life. Right. Yeah. Right. We want them to be able to self-regulate. Mm. They're in a world and a system where someone is always telling them when they can use the restroom, when they can go eat, when they can do that, when they can do this but we want to help them understand they can know and let themselves know when they can feel good, when they can feel relaxed, when they can do what they need to do with their emotions. Hey, if you are angry, this is what you can do with it. And this is what happens when that occurs. So we all about helping them to build their skills to regulate themselves in a world that are always trying to regulate and police them themselves. And when it comes to self-regulation, hey, they need tools to do it. So many stimulants, so many distractions. If they can just have a couple of skills to be able to regulate themselves, it helps a lot in them making that shift to the next place that, that, that they want to go to and then to where you've said to making decisions on their own. So mm -hmm. self-regulation is, I think, the foundation of like everything in life. Mm -hmm. It really mm -hmm. is. I mean, it's like 
it's the foundation of being able to learn. It's the foundation mm -hmm. of being able to connect with people around you. It's the right. foundation of being able to work through conflicts with your boss or with your life partner right. or with your family. I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. so that is just, you're helping to build the foundation for their whole lives. Yeah. And I am only doing it by exposing them to the tools. So making them aware mm -hmm. and then giving them access to it. Like I said, in the beginning, as a black man, I did not believe that I had access to yoga. Hmm. I thought that there was a barrier of culture. There was a barrier of gender, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's just not for me until I had someone gave me permission to be like, no, you can go in there. You can do that. Mm -hmm. And it's for a lot of youth, it's like that too. That's not a part of my culture. Even if they are whatever yoga is supposed to look like, if they feel like it's not for their culture, they won't join. Huh. But if they have permission, okay, this is for me. This is, I can make it for me. I believe this is something that is for me, even though we know yoga physically and mentally is for everybody, every spirit. But if you believe it's not for you, then you won't do it. It's so true. It's really true. I mean, you know, it's like that much more important that you as a black man are there teaching them because when you see someone that you relate to, I mean, it's just, it sounds so silly, but even just as a girl growing up, like there were really not a lot of women politicians, like, right. or I never would have thought I just, so I wasn't like interested in politics. I wasn't interested in learning about policy. I wasn't interested in things that shape all of our lives. And so just when you see so who, I can't remember who that, it, who said, coined the expression, if you see it, you can be it, you mm -hmm. know, like when you see it, when you see someone that you look up to a role model, someone who you want to be like someday doing these practices, it just makes it acceptable, right? It makes it acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, good for you too, for like going into a situation where initially you probably didn't feel super comfortable. Mm -hmm. It, yeah. And sometimes it still happens. I'll, I have a, a thing as I talked about in therapy of just belonging in different mm. places. Oh, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. That thought comes up in my mind, especially if I'm in a studio or I'm the only one that looks like me, but through my own process of self-regulation, I get to understand like, okay, you might think this, that might make you feel like this, but you belong here because you're Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah. Here. So yeah, it's huge. I think belonging is really important for, for everybody. I feel mm -hmm. like I worried about fitting in a lot in my life because I, for whatever reason, they're same thing, certain environments where I didn't feel like I fit in, but and so I like have thought about this a lot with my kid. I don't want to pressure her to feel like she needs to fit in. I don't want to do that to her. But I do at the same time recognize that feeling a sense of belonging is important. It's very human to feel like you belong. You are connected with the people, a culture, and, you know, especially. And that people uh, accept you for who you are. You. Yeah. Yeah. That is huge. And I, I know as a teenager, we're wired to find that acceptance within our friend group and our peer group. Initially, we are wired to have that acceptance within our family. And then we get older and it's our peers. And then we get older and we look for it, hopefully, in ourselves. And we have to take that dive inside to have that acceptance within ourselves. 
to be comfortable in the environments that we are in, you know, and to be accepted by the people who genuinely accept us, not just tolerate us, mm -hmm. use us as a whatever. So uh, it's an ongoing process of belonging, fitting in and accepting the self from the system, from friends, from family, from whatever. And yoga definitely helped me through those transitions and continues to help me. I feel like yoga for me helped me just internally boil things down to essence, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, I'm, I'm acceptable and I'm enough just because I am. Mm -hmm. And like my internal I am is just as just the same as that person next to me and that person across the way. And I, I could see I could feel that connection that we talk about, that internal connection. And so I hope I hope that the yoga community has felt welcoming for you in that way. Like, you know, I hear you saying, like, sometimes I still go into spaces and like, I don't you know, I don't see people who look like me. And I hope that. I want to just extend that feeling of like, I hope you feel welcome and included. And also, I just am I'm glad you're doing the work that you're doing because there are going to be more people looking like you in yoga spaces, right? Definitely is. And the numbers are climbing, which is a good thing. And going into those spaces now after doing the work, understanding that it is a feeling of not belonging, where in my mind, I'm I remember in yoga teacher training initially, I was like, oh, I'm the only one here. So this is what they're thinking about me. This is what I have to do. This is what I, and over the weeks, I can feel my angry black men just starting to just recede a little bit because people treated me as a person and people connected with me on that level. Good. And please believe there are still situations where people may think I don't belong there. Hmm. But it's about what I think and it's about what I know. And so yeah, yeah. yoga has given me time and given me space to explore what am I thinking, what am I feeling, and bring me to the place of the understanding of like, okay, I belong here. Yeah. Good. So yeah. You're grounded in yourself. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Have you heard of the book? I think it's just called Self Reg by Stuart Shanker. It's another no. book I think you would love. Is it good? Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, this is slightly tangential, but just in terms of like working with kids, I mean, everything that he writes about, you already know. I can just hear it in the way that you're talking about it. But I love reading stuff like that because it just confirms for me, like, okay, mm -hmm. this makes sense and there's science behind it. And so I'll, I'll send you that as well. So I want to ask you this is kind of a huge question, but might as well go for it, right? Like, what would your dream be for the work that you do? I would want yoga, mindfulness, wellness practices to be a part of schools like football teams, like after school programs, like arts and crafts time, mm -hmm. an essential part of education, not just for the students, but for the staff as well and the parents, where People are checking in, okay, how, you know, how is the yoga program? How is the wellness program? And those numbers being quantified just as much as the A's, the B's, the C's, you know, are we producing students 
that are healthy and well, not just academically performing or not academically performing, because that is something that I believe the world is really going to be measured on. And we're racing towards that where more people are spending time online engaging, more people are spending time engaging out of necessity. People are, are choosing to engage because now as, as a child, you don't have to go outside. You don't have to even go to the store. You can order stuff. You can do whatever. But when we do choose to engage as people, we do it in a way that's peaceful, that's kind, and that's loving. And that comes from us having an understanding of ourselves. And if we can implement that into our school systems by creating wellness rooms, by creating time for staff to not be burnt out, time for parents to not be stressed out as they are in the process of educating their students from K through 12, that would be the best thing. So last year, the state of Alabama just legalized yoga in schools. So as we continue to be more progressive and as we continue to understand what yoga and mindfulness meditation actually is, let's bring it all together. Let's bring yeah. more counselors, more teachers into the schools. And really, if we have to quantify the efforts to understand how grave this is to really have a brighter future within our babies. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, it's, I love that you mentioned football first, because to me, that brings to mind that people would also have a sense of pride, right? Mm. We have so much pride in our football teams. We have so much pride in sports and these after-school programs. Like, what if we had that same amount of pride in being kind and, and having fun and being mm. loving and just knowing ourselves? I mean, I don't know if it's possible, but, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I think the more people understand how they can incorporate wellness into the system, the more it starts to transform the system. Mm -hmm. Measures start to change. So I think it has been a shift because of, as you said, the breaks in the system where people are like, hey, there's some issues here that we need to work on. So I hope it starts to shift to like, hey, these things are working. So let's focus on this more. Let's right. add more attention, focus, funding towards the things that are working. So Right, right, right. Do you have any advice for, I mean, I, it's like so impressive to me that you have created, I mean, you, you've also really created a business, right? You're able to sustain yourself doing this. And that's, that's mm -hmm. not an easy feat. So do you have any advice for teachers out there listening who want to teach in schools, but kind of don't know where to begin to do that? I would say get involved in the communities where the people who you are want who you want to teach are mm -hmm. show up to the meetings about what's going on with the after school programs understand the needs of the schools understands the needs of the teachers understand the needs of the parents and the folks that you want to work with because a lot of times we can come in as certified yoga instructors registered yoga teachers and begin to preach mm. <laughs> um, yeah you know you need to eat like this you need to think like this you need to, this that that like wait hold on you know we're welcoming in you into our school and we're being vulnerable and sharing the issue that we're having not to be berated preached to 
and condemned for how we live, but just, hey, show us what we don't know as far as our work towards our healing and be present enough to understand you don't know everything mm -hmm. and you still have some work to do. And it's a collaborative effort. It's a collaborative effort. So the schools are and the organizations are where they are and they need you to do your job in a way that is going to help them move a little bit further down in their mission. So understanding mm -hmm. their mission, understanding their, what they are there for and helping to align it with the practice and the tools of yoga. Because it's not about you, it's about the practice and the tools of yoga. So yeah, just check your ego at the front door of the schoolhouse. Bring a teacher an apple, bring the principal some candy or something like that, uh, <laughs> and, and just be a part of the system. Be next to the system that the kids are already a part of in a helping way. Mm -hmm. That's so wise. I mean, that's really wise. Like it, to go in and, and and assume that you know exactly what they need could can be really off putting, but to feel for people to feel like you're working together, you're working with them, such a, such a wise approach. So, so where can people find you on the internet? They can find me at that yoga dude. That's D A T Y O G A D U D E.com at yoga dude, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, everything is that yoga dude, D A T Y O G A.com. D Y O G A D U D E. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, just check out more about our, our programs for organizations, for schools. And we're doing a yell into yoga program where we are helping, especially yoga teachers and people interested in the practice on how they can start to work with schools and how they can start to work in, a, in alignment with schools and, and do that type of work. So head to our website and check out more information. That's really smart. That's great that you're putting together a program like that. Cause like I said, I mean, I do think there are a lot of teachers who want to do this work and, and navigating the system and figuring out how to do it. I, th I think there's a real need for that. So I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, James. I just love talking to you and meeting you. This is like one of those moments where I'm happy that the internet, <laughs> that social media exists. Yes. Because I yes. kind of go through like, oh, there's so much noise. But um, but yeah, it's super nice to be connected to you. And I, I just want to thank you for the work that you do and just for continuing to spread yoga and wellness. It's just, it's really admirable. Thank you. And likewise, you just being on social media and showing up as yourself, as well as doing this podcast is tremendously beneficial for people in search of their purpose and their mission and people who are still working towards it completing it is it, just very beneficial so you're helping a lot of people out with your oh. voice well thanks thanks so much thanks as always for listening i will put links to james's programs on the show notes page at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 251. I have lots more great interviews lined up for this season, so make sure to follow the podcast or subscribe to our newsletter where we will always send you updates with new content. You can subscribe to our newsletter at jasonyoga.com slash newsletter. 
And also, if you enjoy this episode or if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with friends, share it with family, share it on social media. It makes such a difference in terms of people finding the podcast. And last but not least, until next week, enjoy your practice. <laughs>